everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He is the founder and president of MarketplaceLeaders.org and TGIF, Today God is First, devotionals, read by hundreds of thousands in 105 nations and is also developer of his master mentoring programs and the wisdom gained through years of adversity to eventual overcoming and the 19 books that would be penned because of it, some of which include the Upside of Adversity, Change Agent, and The Joseph Calling. However, his latest, recently released, A Hidden Place, One Man's Journey to Freedom, may just be his most intimate and, quote, unearthing read to date, no pun intended, as you will soon hear. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Testimony, internationally recognized speaker, author, and consultant on the subject of faith at work, and my good friend, always an honor, Oz Hillman. Oz, welcome back to Testimony. Jensen, always good to be with you, and uh, it's uh, a great time we're living in that uh, can be challenging, but uh, God is faithful. Amen and amen. Now, I've had the great pleasure of interviewing you for several of your books. But this one is a little different in that it's a novel. The character's name is Ben, was written 10 years ago, and you are just releasing this year. Can you explain? Well, this is a a different type of book that I've ever written. As you say, it's a fictional book, but it's based on truth. And it's about a character named Ben, who went through a major crisis in his life and had some major losses in his life. And uh, it's actually part of my own story written in a fictional story. And uh, because it was very personal to me, I didn't feel like I was uh, ready to release it until I had kind of got on the far side of that. And uh, so there's a lot of truth in it that I experienced myself But there's other things that I know that uh, all of our readers will identify with. You know, it's interesting, the comments I get, they laugh, they cry, and they're encouraged, and they relate. Well, it's true. I just read the first few pages, and I could not put it down. It is so well written. So let's get right to it. You talk about childhood wounds that, if not reconciled, will produce unhealthy adults. What one wound, your view, is the most damaging to reconcile? And what was yours, if you can share? Well, you know, uh, I had a a friend and uh, actually mentor who uh, became a Ph.D. in family counseling. And he wrote a book uh, that talked about that 90% of uh, marriage crisis often a result of something that happened before the age of 11 to that person, to each individual person. And I can understand that because um, many times when we grow up, we have 
uh, things that happen to us that can be life-altering, that can shape our lives, you know. Uh, of course, one of those for me was uh, my father uh, I lost in an airplane crash when I was 14. And, uh, you know, because of we were a, kind of a upper-middle-class family doing quite well. My dad was president of a company. But because he and the CEO and vice president were all in that plane together, the single-engine aircraft my dad was flying, um, they didn't, um, the company was not secure enough. Within two years, it went bankrupt. And uh, the insurance did not pay off. And so my mom, after raising five kids, was now forced to, you know, look at going back to work. And our lives just radically changed. And a lot of the things that came from that period of time shaped me and impacted me both negatively and later positively in terms of what I learned. But for a 14-year-old, it it was some negative stuff there. (laughs) Wow. So now, were you and are you the oldest of five? No, I'm number four. You're number four. Okay. Um, Number five didn't come until 11 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Wow, well, that is an impactful time. And being the oldest, actually, of five, and my mother, a single mom growing up without a dad, I can understand Mm, the impact of that. Absolutely. And um, your mom is doing all she can just to make it. And so that brings a whole other set of dynamics, uh, especially for the kids. Now, in your book, you also talk about open doors that can allow Satan access into our lives when we don't, quote, trust God. Can you speak to that and talk about some of those open doors that we can allow knowingly or unknowingly in our lives because of it? Sure. Well, the way the story happens in the book is Ben has an accident. He uh, falls through a, a, a sinkhole in the woods and uh, ends up in a cave. And during that time, a angel shows up and begins to talk with him. And during his, after he gets past the shock, he gets um, escorted to different rooms in the cave. And each one of those rooms represents a piece of his life, a story from his life that had an impact on him. And each time he talks with him, he is uh, helping him understand, you know, why that happened in his life. When it comes to open doors in our life, the Bible is clear to us that Satan is a legalist. He knows that uh, if we have unconfessed sin in the life of a believer, then he has the right to sift us. He has the right to attack us. Mm -hmm. And the Bible also says that there were no open doors in Jesus' life because he was sinless. But for you and I, we can either consciously or unconsciously open doors in our life. And many times those doors happen because we seek to meet needs in our own life outside God's way. You know, and when we do that, that's when we can open ourselves up. A good example of that would be in the Old Testament, where the people of Israel had just, uh, you know, had their first battle, 
And now they were going into their second battle, the Battle of I. And so they did the same thing they did for the first time. But then as they got into the battle, they were realizing they were losing the battle. And they couldn't understand why God was not blessing their efforts. And God said, I have something against you. You have withheld something from that first battle, which you were not supposed to do. And so that's an example of what we mean when, you know, we have an open door in our life. And so they had to rectify that in order to restore the blessing of God on their lives. Amen and amen. And not to go down this trail necessarily, but the thing that comes to my mind, which is an epidemic in our country today, because everyone is so visual today, and this is among pastors and Christians as well, and it's the addiction of pornography, which I would deem a definite open door, but then how sure. to defeat that is something else. Can you speak to that? Well, pornography is a symptom of an issue that people have that uh, I've had several other leaders contribute books in my our bookstore and uh, one of the authors that gets into that specific issues says that basically uh, when we seek to meet intimacy needs outside God's design where we don't believe that God loves us then we open ourselves for false intimacy and pornography is one of those false intimacy needs when we're basically going after something superficial for something that's real. And, it, it, you know, whenever we enter that, we're, we're basically saying that I don't really believe God loves me, and I'm going to try to get that love feeling in a, another way. And But you're never satisfied with it. It just never is one of those things that's a bottomless pit. And so the key to that is reconciling your love with the Father and that He loves you and that to develop that intimacy need with the Father. And that's another thing we touch on in the book on what, is this, what does it really mean to live as a son or a daughter uh, and experience that intimacy. And I share a story in that book about how God you know, showed me His love in a very intimate way. Which leads me to my next question, and it is this. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Oz Hillman, author, motivational speaker, and master mentor, his latest, The Hidden Place. Oz, why do you think it is reportedly so difficult for men to establish, quote, intimacy with God? And if yes, what would be your solution for changing that? Well, I think that uh, we we all grow up with a certain macho mentality, and uh, the whole idea of intimacy, you know, depends a lot on how we were raised. You know, I share how I was raised by a World War II, uh, you know, dad, and that generation generally was not that intimate. Um, they were good people. They loved me. But they weren't that touchy-feely kind of type of person. And that had its uh, consequences for me. Later on in life, I would discover that I had some 
some issues that I had to work through because of that void. And so that's why I think it's so important for fathers to express love to their children verbally and by hugs and, you know, really uh, intimate expressions that are, you know, suitable expressions in the sense that, you know, they do feel cared for, they feel loved. And uh, so I think that, you know, for me, uh, my, I, I realized that my dad, although I knew he loved me, I never heard him say the words. Mm. And that has its effect. In fact, I think that's why Jesus, you know, God the Father, said on three occasions to Jesus that this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. And I think one of the reasons for that is Jesus probably grew up uh, being perceived as an illegitimate son, you know, because let's face it, he grew up in a small town of Nazareth, and they, you know, the word was that, you know, Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, you know, right, you know, <laughs> and I want to sell you some real estate too, right? right? And so just imagine the environment he probably grew up in. So by the time he got to be an adult, you know, to, to affirm his sonship, and his holiness was very important, and I think that uh, you know that intimacy is very important for you know, especially sons. Amen and amen. And it reminds me of that scripture: faith comes by hearing. And how can you know, really know, that someone loves you if you're not hearing it? You'll have faith for whatever you're hearing. A wonderful friend of mine who is a grief counselor and author, I remember sharing with me, and I quote, When we bury our feelings, we bury them alive. How true or not is this statement, your view, and will your latest, The Hidden Place, Ben's story and your own, help resolve this issue? You know, one of the rooms that Ben gets taken to is those early childhood days. And I remember that um, the fact that I really had a difficult time expressing feelings because in my household, I was often shamed by my mother. And that was probably because she was shamed by her mother. And she didn't really understand the damage that would do. So uh, that can mean that we can be shamed into, you know, having the freedom to share our feelings, whether they be good, bad, or indifferent, you know. And it's very important to, to have an environment where people can share their feelings. They can be affirmed for who they are, because that is all tied to our identity. And so uh, we do talk about that in the book. And the second part of the book actually deals with some teaching around the issues that Ben is addressing in his story. And so we actually talk about generational strongholds and childhood wounds and arrested development, things like that that happen in a person's life. Right now, and that was one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you're listening to author and speaker Oz Hillman, his latest must-read the Hidden Place. The character Ben discovers what it means to live as a son versus a slave. 
What do you mean by this? Well, when I lost my dad when I was 14, um, it I didn't have uh, anyone that kind of stepped into that role. And because of the lack of finances in our family, uh, one of the life messages that kind of came up from that, it was subconscious, was I don't ever want to experience that again. And so I'm going to work hard to insulate myself from having any kind of financial failure like that in my life. And so as I got into my adult years and my career, I had this subconscious thing that it all depended on me. Even when I became a Christian, I still had some underlying insecurity issues that motivated me to work out of fear of loss and not having enough. That's kind of what happens, you know, what happened to the people uh, who went through the depression when they had such a great loss, uh, when they started returning to prosperity, they never felt like they could make enough money. They felt like they had to insure themselves against that loss again. Instead of having an intimate relationship with God, that He is our provider. And it wasn't later until later in life where I lost over $600,000 almost overnight that I was forced as a businessman to return to the baseline of understanding God as my provider and not operate out of fear. And so that's a, an important truth that every believer needs to understand is that, you know, when God says, I'll provide every need that you have, you know, from his riches and glory, Philippians 4.19, uh, that's a covenant promise. And it doesn't mean we don't go through lean times, but it does mean that God is our ultimate provider beyond even our work. And so I had to learn that very practically, and I did. And I did learn that through the adversity I went through, that he was my provider and that he does provide manna, even as he did in the Old Testament for the Israelites. He does the modern-day version of that in many different ways. And so I was able to trust him uh, in new ways that I'd never known my father, you know, and my heavenly father in that light. Wow, and that is a tough lesson, I imagine, having to learn that. You know, it, it would appear that Satan had you targeted at a very early age, because I'm surprised to hear, I want to just segue back just a moment, that your mother shamed you for expressing your feelings. Your father didn't express his. So I imagine at times, Oz, you felt like somewhat in a cocoon and where to go and what to do and how to break out of that. And then later on in life, I can just imagine how that impacted your first marriage and the lack of communication there. Can you speak to that? Exactly. And, you know, when you're growing up with that, you don't know that you're necessarily growing up in a dysfunctional environment. You're, that's your normal. And so it's not until you get a, in adult years and you, you begin to model some of the behavior that kind of w became the fruit of the response to that growing up. And you don't know that um, those things are abnormal. But then when you get into a relationship, and then you realize there's conflict in relationships because 
of some issues that are part of your life when you were younger. And uh, so you have to learn, uh, you know, what those issues are. And it took many years of counseling for me, and it, it took a broken marriage that first time. And God had to grow me up, and he had to reveal, you know, the Bible says the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. And that is so true, because until you know the truth about your situation, you don't know how to change anything. And I was I was uh, fortunate that God sent some mentors into my life during my crash that lasted seven years from 94 to seven to uh, um, 2001, in which God reshaped me and retooled me in terms of some of those uh, beliefs and some of those habits that were a result of early childhood wounds. And so today, um, my marriage is very healthy, and we, uh, we have a great marriage, and it's because we both learned some very important lessons from childhood wounds that affected us but we needed to gain healing from. Amen and amen. And your wife, Pamela, is beautiful, vivacious. She's been through the fire, and she's come out victorious. And I've had the honor and privilege of doing her story uh, for testimony. The two of you, a powerhouse couple for the kingdom, my view. Oz, the Bible talks about hardening our hearts out of rebellion, Hebrews 3.15. And the strongholds we alluded to earlier that can produce, namely, witchcraft and idolatry because of that, Samuel 15, 23. That being said, how does one break a stronghold, having rejected God's word, and accordingly, just like Samuel, God in turn rejected him from being king? Your thoughts? Well... A stronghold is a belief system that uh, you're you're basically uh, operating from a place that's not God-centered. And, uh, you know, in Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible talks about seven core needs that every believer has. He doesn't list the needs. They're just implied. And some of those needs are, in, are security and blessing and, you know, knowing our identity. And so whenever we try to meet some of those common needs that we have outside God's provision, we open ourselves up to a lie. We open ourselves up to a stronghold. In Corinthians, Paul talks about a stronghold in Corinthians and says that it's a belief system. And so we have to understand the lie that we're dealing with in order to get free of that. And so, for instance, uh, as I mentioned about the financial the lie that Satan spoke to me is that you'll never have enough money. And so how did that manifest in my life? Well, I became a workaholic. I became very performance-oriented. I became punitive with other people if they failed me in finances. Well, that was a stronghold. And so God allowed me to lose my money in order to break the stronghold. And I would, you know... And the way you break a stronghold is first you recognize it, then you repent of it by the power of the blood of Jesus to be able to break that stronghold, and then we replace it with uh, the truth. 
And the truth for me was that God is my provider. I don't have to work 50 and 60 hours. I can work a 40-hour week because my provision comes from the Lord, not from my performance. And so whatever your stronghold is, you need to, once you break it, you have to begin walking in a different way that's based on the truth. And that's part of your walking it out. Amen and amen. And I want to speak to disappointment for those listening right now. There are a lot of Christians out there and people yet to know the Lord that have been so disappointed by the lives of others, others they expected to do the right thing, did the wrong thing. Talk to those that are disappointed in their life, in their ministry, in their mission, in their marriage. Oz Hillman. You know, disappointment is um, is one of those that can really derail us if we're not careful. Um, you know, I had uh, a mentor from Sweden who became my spiritual marketplace father, and I had told him when I met him that I had had some very challenging relationships. And he said, you know, well, it doesn't surprise me because Satan always attacks you in the place of your inheritance. And he says, your inheritance is in relationships. Uh, you have been uh, very successful at bringing leaders together in the marketplace, and you've been able to do things I've never been able to do. You do them, you know, without a lot of effort. And he said, that's because that's an anointing. However, you must be aware that wherever there is an anointing, there's also usually an attack from the devil to destroy that anointing. And so he said, your uh, anointing is in relationships. So Satan's always going to attack you in the area of relationships. So you have to stay the high ground. And I can tell you that been many disappointments in those failed relationships and, you know, things that you think you, you want to depend on and you can't. And so disappointment can derail us in our faith life. And that's why we have to really turn to the Lord fully in our lives with those disappointments. And that's why Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness and blessing your enemies and washing the feet of your Judas, because that's so so much a part of disappointment, because whenever we're betrayed, whenever people let us down, a lot of disappointment is a result of that. And so we have to turn those disappointments to the Lord and allow him to minister to us in those places. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally renowned speaker, author, and founder of MarketplaceLeaders.org and TGIF Today God is First devotionals, Oz Hillman. His latest must-read, The Hidden Place, One Man's Journey to Freedom. You can learn more about Oz Hillman's work, ministry, and mission by visiting marketplaceleaders.org and thehiddenplacebook.com. That's thehiddenplacebook.com. And get his book. Invite him to speak. You will be blessed, encouraged, and inspired that you did. Oz, thank you once again for taking precious time to share your heart, your life, and the hope you found, as did the character Ben, you so masterfully 
recount in your latest just wonderful read, The Hidden Place, a novel based on fiction, yet a story based in reality that if listened to and gleaned from can bring true freedom and the life God intended, a life I like to say, quote, hid with Christ, Colossians 3.3, the best life of all. You've lived it. You know we thank you, and God bless you. Jensen might just mention, if they go to the hiddenplacebook.com, they can get the first chapter for free if they'd like to download that. We're making that available at no charge. Fantastic. God bless you. Thank you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensene Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.